Oh, let's see what she looks Screaming like. Dreaming is free. It's free. Free, yeah, gotcha. What a bad song. You know, you should check out Sherman's Showcase on uh, Hulu. They okay. do a Deborah Harry Blodney parody that is so funny. <laughs> she sings a song about nightclub and how she's going to go out and get plowed like the winter snow. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to interrupt myself because we got a cameo. You're only going to see her for two seconds. Okay. She's going to be on the left. We're not there yet. You're going to see a long table in a cafeteria. Our heroes are sitting at the head of it, and she's going to be to the left. All right, I'm ready to pause it. No, Wait. no, 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 no. There left. Oh, okay. there she is. Coffee not yet, shop. not yet. There, to the left. She's, she, see her, the gray-haired lady to the left, all close to him? What a great cameo, man. Um, okay, so Le Guin, her husband, her 15-year-old son, and her husband's 80-year-old Aunt Ruby appear as extras in the scene where Heather and George talk over lunch in a cafeteria. All I saw was Ursula Le Guin, and all I really saw is her gray hair looked like my mom. Seriously. She looked like the dust cover, like eating something. The, the dust jacket. You, you open up the book, and there's a picture of Ursula. She's yeah, written a, 100 books. She wrote No, she wrote 20. 20. Pro, over 20. She wrote in the 20s. And then 100, and then 100 short stories. 100 short stories, yeah. Translated a few books, knocked out a cute a couple anthologies, maybe a book about puzzles. Now... <laughs> He did a book on quilting. Now, um, George has now said it was it's an experimental machine. And so the lawyer, um, Heather, is like, oh, experimental? Okay, that'll be your, uh, you know, you've got a case. I will go as an observer, and if there's something weird, I can get your switch to a different Thank case. you, Margaret Avery, for doing something, right? She's <laughs> got to get in there. Oh, she's, she's in there for out... She yeah. will now go to this appointment and be with us for the rest of the film. Good. Now, Good. look, it's all like a nuclear – see, the results of the dreams change. Every single time they change, I'm a little behind. I don't know why those people still look like they were nuclear war survivors. None. They were protesting something, and they have moving staircases. This must be the new reality. <laughs> yeah. It it's escalated called... them up. Well, it elevates them. It's called in their movie. It's called an elevator. Elevates <laughs> you higher, a step at a time. But what's this escalator? Um, same thing. So, okay, no. If look, he's got this whammy jammy machine that if you're upset, you'll get super upset. It's called an escalator. Ah, <laughs> uh, future. I mean, I, I really would love to see a, a original copy of this to see what it looks like if it was yeah. video-y with yeah. the light outside. Yeah. Now, he was like, fuck this place, I'm never coming back. And he's like, George, great to see you, and you're early. Right? Right, so it's 11.45. He lays down and says, come on, let's go. Let's dream, come, come on. on. He goes, do you have an appointment or something? Rem me up. Yeah, let's go, rem me up. He knows Heather's coming. Oh, cool. I have seen Willard. Have you from the seventies? And Ben, mm -hmm. I guess, is the sequel. I don't know if he was in Ben. I remember. No, it was Ben. Ben, ben was first, right? Because they had Michael Jackson yes. as a kid singing this. I am you, you and me, we are us. Ben, I left you in. I don't know a trap. I haven't seen that movie in a while. All right, I guess I'm gonna see that movie again now that we're talking about it. About it. 
there's cute. a remake with Crispin Glover. Oh, I think it was I like Willard. That. Willard was the first one. Had this guy, Bruce. There yeah. was a sequel, Ben, and I think young Michael Jackson sang the theme song to the sequel to a rat movie. And then <laughs> there was a remake of Willard with Crispin Glover in the 2000s. That one I saw and I enjoyed. And I loved how Ben rebelled. You know, he was like, Ben, you. You know what the fuck? Oh, maybe, maybe Ben's the first one and Willard's the sequel. There's, there was two rat movies with the different names of the rats. Okay, so all I know is Willard in 1971. I have heard of the sequel, Ben. I think Willard must be the first one. Okay. What a slimy name, and I think that was totally on purpose. You know, Willard. It's like Willie gives you the willies, you know? Oh, right. Well, you know, sometimes you see a movie, and the movie does the title is always the name of the character, and you're like, I don't know who Larry Crown is. Why should I give a rat's ass? Yeah. Like, whoa, they made a movie about Tammy? Out of my way. So when you find <laughs> out Willard is a rat, you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> no, Willard is his name. His name is... Oh, it's a boy's name? Oh, wait. Yes. So, and his rat's name is Ben? Right. Uh, Willard Styles is his name oh, in the film. Yeah, and Ben was the an, uh, prota uh, antagonist rat. So I guess Ben was the sequel then. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so now he's talked all about what the Whammy Jammy machine does, and he's ready to observe. And Look at these, these space aids buttons. Yeah, they're so modern. This, If this was, I mean, you know, they're so modern that I, my kids no grew clue. up with those. Yeah. It's so I futuristic. Clue, I have right? no clue what the symbols mean or why they need it. He's ready to accept a suggestive dream. Now, not effective, suggestive. With her, with his attorney right behind him. Now, he says, last time you were here, you were telling me about something that bothered you very much, overpopulation. That's not true. That comes out of the doctor. I want you to dream of a world without overpopulation. That's what he's doing. That's genocide. He's worse than Thanos, Carl. Well, not worse. Equal. He is Thanos. Yeah. When I say Antwerp. I told you I got to ask for a refund after I saw the movie Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I... that's right. But it doesn't work. The joke doesn't work. Because right. you're not in a movie. You're not in a movie. Nobody would expect that. All right. Thank you, audience member, for explaining why that joke never worked. <laughs> <laughs> you should say something like, um, I was so upset that, like, you know, I took my wife to see. I was hoping when Thanos snapped his finger, I'd only have the one ticket charge. There, there you go. I had something a 50% like chance. Usually you fix my jokes. Okay, now, due to budget, they couldn't show billions of people dying in a plague. So they did this metaphor. They have him dreaming of dining at a table. There's Dr. Haber, and right. it seems like he's in the dream, but he's not. Of course, you know, George must be dreaming him, but but throughout the drama, throughout the scene, he acts like the Dr. Haber we know. So look, he's, people are going to start to get old and die. Oh. I thought they just threw, like, fishnets over him. Yeah, look, the doctor's yeah. picking up on it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's dreaming the doctor, so... 
they're in the room and they're he's definitely the doctor is kind of pushing this along yes yeah we can't afford millions of people dying or slow we the best pbs can do is throw a fish net over people over dinner <laughs> now these guys i you know they were trying hard they were yeah. trying hard you know and they did this 1972 film together called Between Time and Timbuktu, and it was based on oh. a Vonnegut book. One guy's from Canada, one guy's from New York. Um, ABC After School Specials. This was their golden time in which they got to work on TV Lab for PBS and make cool films like this. This is a cool film. I mean, you don't really expect a TV movie to have this. Uh, yeah, well. this is like a, you know film that would premiere ah no i killed people ah, L -W -A -F -L -M -O -Y -T. L -W -A -F -L -M -O -Y -T. the translation would say incoherent mumbling oh dallas <laughs> the sound oh, of no where is half the population you bastard They're okay, right? Well, that's the thing. They both know that it happened. Okay? Now, it used to be before you didn't know. So if right. you're in the same room with the guy, you do know. There's a little hole in Le Guin's plot here. I don't know. It adds a little nuance to it because they're culpable. And, I again, the Dreamer has the upper hand because Dreamer can pull shit while whammy-jammy on them and they won't be aware of it. You know, you can't tame the devil, Carl. Well, okay, I understand why you say that, and I think you're right, if you could control your dreams. George can't really, he just, okay, overpopulation. So in his brain, he thinks, well, a plague would take care of that. You know, he didn't do oh. it on purpose, and he's upset with himself now. What have I done? Yeah, because he asked him to dream something horrific. Well, he didn't. He said overpopulation, right? If less people were having babies, I mean, it didn't have to be. You killed them. Uh, obviously, it was saying, like, kill them. Well, what if you dreamed that um, people were infertile? Or what if you dreamed that you had to have a license to have a baby and you had to get Maybe a license to have a baby? Because at least that's not... A dream! It's a dream, you know. There, there's ways not to kill everyone and fight overpopulation. Sure. This is more the result than the process, I guess. Yes, the result is don't have an overpopulation. Now, George is pit. Uh, Doctor Haber is pissed. You sick bastard! You should go to therapy. The plague ended five years ago. We are the survivors. Life must go on. You remember the plague, don't you? Look at Heather. She's emotionally distraught. Does she remember the plague? No. I guess she does. But does she remember the world without the plague? Yes, it seems. Why else would she be freaked out? Yeah. Otherwise, they'd be like, good morning, George. The plague? It's The plague's over. It's good times, you know? Crazy. Well, put him back to sleep. Dream that you had dinner with more guests and wake up. I'm sorry if you found this distressing, Miss Lalash. Goodbye. See you in court. <laughs> See you in court. So they're all like, 
shell shocked. Yeah, you know? but who would I'm have thought? I'm acting. Mulligan. Hey, you well, know that last really experience? did it this time, didn't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, Mulligan is like do over or something. What yeah, right. Yeah, when you're playing golf and you hit oh. it like the Mulligan. Six million people wiped off the face of the earth. What do you want me to say? I want you to be straight with me. You know. Go home, George. Take responsibility for what you did. What I did? Do they have to go back in time like in uh, Avengers' other movie? No. <laughs> There's two Avengers movies, right? There's Infinite War and, and other movie. Infinite War. Another movie, right. Yeah. The Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe presents Avengers, the other movie. We now resume where we last left off. Oh, I can't believe that happened. Damn it. What did Damn. it happen? What if we made it happen again? Tony Stark won't go for that. Tony Stark, no. Doesn't want to lose his daughter. Very selfish, actually. Well, don't forget, he created Ultron and, and wrecked the yep. shit up, so yep. he is very selfish. It, was, it wasn't it was on purpose, but he did make Ultron happen. Yeah. What are they going to do now? Docs have any idea? They got to go back in Dreamland, right? Well, no, but there will be another dream in which the doctor's like, you got to go back in Dreamland, and, and, and he won't. George won't do it. So he's like, I'm attempting to make the world a better place, and my dreams have destroyed the world at the same time. Is it really a better place? It's like supposed to be deep, and maybe we should be listening. Sure. Four years ago. Okay, four years ago, April, that was that nuclear bomb. Remember? You're worn out, George. You better go home and get some rest. The session's over. You go home. <laughs> now I don't get George like why I mean he is a beta personality but I see what you're saying he tries to be alpha and he accuses him of stuff but he always gets shut down with things like go home now that's what shuts you down what, you know? what other choice does he have he's going to force the doctor to go back into dreamscape and, and resolve everything well, at this point I was wondering why they didn't try to undo it yeah immediately Right, because that and then that will happen later. I'm acting. I'm acting. <laughs> okay, PBS. For my character's sake, I want to look out at the barren landscape. Uh, how about if you just look out the window? And so, see. Like, there was this April nuclear explosion, and somehow that's always floating out there in the ether. And at right, the end right. of the film, like. The doctor will see it with his own eyes. Like, it's unclear. Do people remember that it happened or it never happened because he dreamed it away? But then at the end of the film, he'll reveal that that's when it started. Meanwhile, he told that story about the aunt, which was before the nuclear explosion. I don't get how this plot all goes together. But the nuclear explosion multiple times. This is my fourth time, yeah. and that's why I know there's holes in the plot more than I figured out what they were at as a reviewing. 
I'm sure the novel goes into real, you know, yeah. real depth. It must. And um, the screenwriters, let's see, they did. They now, were the like, writers, here are the writers. Um, Diane English, we already talked about a little bit, best known for creating Murphy Brown. Uh, and the 2000, she directed in 2008 a feature called The Women. Uh, oh, I saw that movie. It's a, it's a remake of the movie The Women, which was this screwball comedy that had a whole female cast. And her oh. version was good. It was fun. Okay, maybe I'll also write that one down. Should I see that one? If you see the original, you're going to like it. Like the one from okay, the 30s. Okay, the original. Yeah. And then, you know, call if you want to see a remake. It's not bad. Okay, not 2008. She started her career at WNET PBS affiliate in New York, working as a story editor uh, for the Theater America series, then an associate director of TV Lab. And she wrote a monthly column on television for Vogue uh, from 77 to 80. And she wrote this, and she got a Writers Guild nomin Award nomination. Okay, she didn't win. Uh, but she won Emmys for Murphy Brown. Right. Okay. Now, this is a bit of a lull or a lag in the plot. They got rid of people. Heather wanders off. Uh, she can't call George. She doesn't know where he is. She wants to talk to him. Now we're having a confrontation. Why don't we listen this time? He's going to admit that he knows it's effective for him. I just wanted time to sort things out. Yes. I know about your people. I've known for quite some time. Now, his reaction is strange to me. He goes, thank you for being honest. Yeah. Of I'm going to strangle you. manipulating me. Yeah. Do so you think he's a beta, not an alpha dog? Yes, he's a beta. Now he's walking away, and he's like, you've got a great gift. And he's going, don't you understand? We're not doing this anymore. George went through some sacrifices, too. He only has a third-story office now. Right, right. All right, let's listen. It's man's mission to build the better world. That's an Ursula, Earth, that's a Taoism kind of Ursula Le Guin thing. They just threw it right in there. Well, she, she, it's in her book, I'm sure. It was also Porky's. It might not be her idea. <laughs> she didn't like Porky's. <laughs> no, Porky's would come later. This was written in 71. Porky's was in 80. Gotcha. Taoism influenced Porky's. What? Porky's influenced Ursula Gwynn's Taoism. I can't let you use me. You go, girl. That's it. Stand up for yourself, George. You need me. Don't you know that? Without me. Without yeah. me, you're nothing, George. Oh, look at him. What an asshole. Vulcan death grips him every time. Now, what does it mean? Why are we cutting away? You know in a film that one scene should lead to the other. And if it's an abrupt True. cut, there's a reason. Like, meanwhile, back at the lab, you know, 
But there's some television floors. There's an exterior shot or like no, but, a no, but okay. We were in the hall. He falls down. I'm not doing this anymore. Now he's in the couch getting whammy jammied again. Yeah, you've watched pornography. They're talking in the hall. They cut to a That's painting a, on the wall. Then, That's then a good they're, point. Do, they're in the office doing it. You're right. I do accept that in pornography. Why wouldn't I accept it here? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's seminal science fiction uh, PBS work. <laughs> Ouch. This was only filmed in two weeks. Really? That's very yeah. impressive. Dallas City Hall, the Tandy Center Fort Worth, Hyatt Regency Dallas and Reunion Tower, Dallas Fort Worth International Airport, the Dallas Fort Worth Water Gardens. Wow. A vacated mobile oil building in Fort Worth. Uh, Dallas was also used for this kind of futuristic look for uh, RoboCop and Logan's Run. Right, that's right. And, uh, and that was supposed to be Detroit. In RoboCop. Right. Now, look. He wants to dream peace on Earth, right? Right. Now, what would unite peace on Earth more than aliens invading? So oh, they unify. He, dreams, he dreams of, right, we would unify to go... So he dreams of aliens attacking their moon base. Oh, not our moon base. Yeah, we have a moon, moon base? base. We got well. Yeah, we saw it in um, uh, first what's man. that movie Nailed? Uh, oh right, Nailed. Yeah, we saw the the moon base that'll keep us non blowed up. Yeah, that's right. Keeps us safe and non blowed up. That's a good. Okay. That's a good pull, Carl. Now Haberman's like. I mean, Dr. Haber's like, I told you to dream of world peace. Not that aliens attack the moon. Now they're all freaked oh, out. Okay. Battle in space. Alien forces attacking the Earth colony on the moon. We got to give like a co-starring credit, screen credit to the window of this office because they're constantly <laughs> staring at it. That's right. I'm acting. I'm, I'm acting. DC was now outside. It's I unbelievable. I'm cracking up! Look out the window! Yeah. So this is another example of Haber's trying to do a nice thing and the dream has a negative bend. So now he's like, you must go and dream it away, George! Dream it away right now! And George is like, don't you understand? Whatever else I'm going to dream, it's not going to work out like they just dream away. Better it's just like leave movie what bedazzled. What movie bedazzled? Oh no, there's no more movie bedazzled! You dreamed it away, George! I love that Peter film. Cook. No, Brendan Fraser. How can Brendan re Fraser remake something that's never been made, George? Elizabeth Hurley's been waiting in her trailer. There's no film to remake. Lay down, lay down, dream it back. I want Dudley that? Moore. Peter Cook, Wimpy's hamburger, quick. You wake up, the aliens are evading the Earth. You idiot. But well, at least we got bedazzled back. Well, that is a good point, George, but still, the aliens! We watch her copy of uh, Bedazzled, which now is willed into existence. Lay back down and dream away Brenda Starr instead! Yeah. <laughs> oh, so... I say so because I just want to know what's next. The aliens came. Well, the aliens are on the moon. They didn't come to oh, Earth. Right. Oh, That's thank God. Important. Yeah, thank God. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> what about the dream of here? Is there going to be a moonfall in this movie? Is the moon going to fall? Is there a moonfall in this movie? 
No, his imagination is not that crazy. He'd dream about the moonfall. Okay, so Heather's on the lookout for um, George. I don't know why. Like, George isn't upstairs. You know where he is. So the landlord will essentially say he's at his summer home that he won in a government lottery. We get that said earlier. He has a summer, he has a like a, a ho home by a lake that he won in a government lottery. I, I don't get it. This was before, like, Dreamland. Nice photos of your kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's really you. Do you have any photos of your children? <laughs> oh, get my wallet. They're laminated. Now, this film was a big hit on PBS. It was one of their highest-rated shows ever. But it had to get shelved. Uh, it... it Okay, let's see. I think it went to where is it? Where is it? It got it won a Hugo Award. That's um, science fiction. Okay, after its initial broadcast in 1980, Lace was occasionally showed over the next eight years. But PBS rights to rebroadcast expired in 1988. Then they have a Beatles song in here. I get hot by with a little help from my friends, and it plays into the plot. Right. And like I don't know, whoever, Michael Jackson, whoever owned the Beatles things were like, nah, uh, uh you can't use that shit. You got to pay us. So they worked out a deal where they paid them much less money to have another artist record. Yes. And so that's why this thing was shelved. That was, deal was struck in 2000 and this came back. Oh, that's great. So this version would probably have, well, I don't know. Yes, it will have the other version. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of dangerous. Television didn't really figure that out with with uh, songs because they were able to get the rights for that broadcast. You know. Well, they didn't have the rights at the time. It's just that the Beatles didn't say shit. Right. Yeah, and then in then they the in nineteen eighty eight the thing it just expired, and then they were going to go to re up that, and the Beatles people. Uh, the Beatles had to negotiate a special agreement with the composer of the film score, a deal with the Beatles recording ep out, uh, which is an integral plot point. A cover vision, a version replaces the Beatles' own recording, which would have taken too long to clear and cost an arm and a leg 20 years because of a copyright issue. Once the issue was resolved, the film was cleaned up. Two-inch quadruplex videotape? I don't know. It was rebroadcast and released a DVD with an interview of Ursula Gwynn by Bill Moyers. Wow. Which aired with the rebroadcast. And I already told you about how the original was lost. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so out, of all, out of all the bands you could pick, you pick the Beatles. Picking a song for the Beatles is pretty ballsy because that's well, that something that will bite you back. Ursula. It was in the book because it right. fit into the plot. I don't know. Okay, so now they're making a big fucking mistake. They're like, we don't need this doctor. We'll just dream everything peacefully. I'll hypnotize yeah. you. But it's the same thing, of course. He's going to dream whatever he dreams. They like spilled mercury on the ground. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'll pick it up. I guess maybe not Mercury. So he goes, dream about the, you know, like, 
the world being nice and a healthy place and everything is okay and there's no more aliens on the moon. Tomorrow, when you <gasps> you will feel rested and well. Now, go sleep. Now, she doesn't say Antwerp. That's the key word. Oh, right. So he's never going to come out. This is like, you know things are bad when Leonardo DiCaprio shows up in your dream. <laughs> now we're going to see a little bit of dick. Now we're All only right. going to see it for one second, and it's just the little cap of the head. Okay, okay. so be on the lookout for a dong. The mushroom cloud. Right. Now this is Bruce Davison's dong. It's for real. Okay. Now he we're going to see. PBS. We're going to see the sea turtle again, and after the sea turtle cuts away, he's going to get up, and we'll see the dong. Okay, here we go. Here All we right. go now. He's getting up. And when he, he's getting up, All right. watch his crotch area. Okay, that's the second turtle. Watch and... Oh, there it is. It's gone. Wow. Did you catch it? I did. Although I was looking at his ass, too. I think it must be impressive. Okay, this is the alien. Oh, for who evaded the moon base? Yes. This is his dream. Now, look where they're coming. They're coming to Earth? Yeah! To Pittsburgh? You idiot! To Portland. Oh, uh, Portland. I don't know Boston. where they're coming. They're invading the Earth, and we're going to we're gonna try to battle them. Is this the West Germany footage, maybe? Yeah, maybe. From PBS West Germany. Look at that effect. They just did a saucer, just light. I've, I've seen better ELO covers. Yeah, that's right. That's a good call. Chicago uh, has a better UFO undercover. So now it's like, wake up, wait. Now, check out this wacky-ass car outside. Now, it's so 70s, but it's so 70s trying to look modern. So I think that's why they used it. See it? Yeah, it's a little compact sports car. Sports like... car? No, Michael. That's no smart sports car. It's like a smart car kind of thing. Oh, I see. It looks like a sneaker from the seventies. A what? A sneaker. sneaker? Yeah, yeah. It was. I think there was a book uh, that mentioned that, like, they try. I think it was a lampoon thing. That the car looked like a sneaker. So now they're saying they have to go to Haber because, okay, on no. the radio we're hearing that we have anti-defense, anti anti-alien bombs. But they have a device that can control the bombs, and bl they bl they're blowing them up, blowing themselves up. Oh, no. So there's no hope for Earth. There's no hope for Earth, and the escalator is out of order. Now, they're running. It's Well, it's temporarily stairs, uh, as uh, what's that comedian would say? Mitch Hedberg. Mitch yeah. Hedberg there. So they're running to see. Now, why do they think they need to see Haberman? You see, He's I told you this would happen. But Haberman doesn't know. He wasn't in the room when he dreamt it. I'm sorry. I mean Haber. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. That's a good point. I had let that go in the point of in that plot. Right, point at this point. Because, yeah, because you're suspending disbelief because it's hard, but. You know what? Honestly, he must understand. It's like a Russian doll that he's aware of certain changes, but there's certain changes that he might not be aware of. So if okay. whenever this guy approaches him and says, you know, Willard says, uh, hey, there's something up with Ben. 
he's going to have to take them at face value because he may yeah. not know something that may have occurred. So he just thinks there's an alien invasion. George walks in the new door and he goes, you're behind this, you dummy. Oh, you mean the aliens attacking the Earth and not our moon base? It's always been that way. Look how they skip the step of make yourself comfortable, lie prone. Just fucking we go know, to sleep, We bitch. know. Well, we have to get to the news hour at 10. So they got to wrap okay, this now, up. Okay, now turn it on. He's dreaming peace and an alien shows up. Of course, finally someone shows up. The alien saying, We are peaceful. Exterminate. No, it's not a civilian. You're supposed to be an alien. Well, well, mission accomplished. They're nice aliens now. Don't play games with me. So what did he do? He dreamt the alien to come over? He dreamt that the aliens were nice. Yeah, he dreamt the alien would come over, I guess, and talk yeah. to Haber. This guy in his dreams has caused nuclear disaster, uh, a, a plague, a, a moon destruction, yeah. and alien contact. Now, what occurred to me, like, the second time I watched this film is there's no – it's not – they're not real aliens. Like, this doesn't mean there's life on other planets. He dreamed it, you know? Right. We don't know where they're from. So he's being an asshole to Haber. And then he's, he's like, don't you have someone to call? And Haber's like, yes, of course. They're peaceful. They're peaceful. Who's he calling? Secretary Shifkovsky. Hello, dream, please. Listen, listen. listen. Yeah, that's what I wanted you to hear. It's a little dumb, right? About this alien thing. Always scheming for himself. I think I've got it figured out. They're peaceful, you know. Now, look, he shows up with orderlies. Like, yeah. He's like done fucking around. Like George, no more of you know. You're doing what I say now. You're gonna dream what I fucking tell you. All right, he's gonna get a massage from those guys. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's one thing I like about movies: the, the male orderlies, like in uh, uh -huh. Long Weekend, they're always like these big guys that take no shit, right? Like right. they're always, you know, that's their job. Action movies like the the henchmen, you know they're dispen indispensable. They're gonna get a bullet in the eyes, but these guys, you can't yeah, fuck with these guys. That's right. You're not going to kill them. You no. might test them at some point in the plot, but mo throughout most of the film, remember in uh, Buckaroo Banzai, he was like, "Laugh while you can, monkey boy." <laughs> <Remember that? laughs> yeah, the only count. time the orderly was like, "Hey, maybe, <laughs> maybe I just got warned about something." That's good. He was a good orderly. That guy was a uh, Better Call Saul guy, uh, Mike. Oh, that's right. That's right. The, Berman the, Trout. The, yeah. Yeah. Young. A young uh, Mike. So, this must be West Germany? 
I doubt it. I think it's Dallas. But he's saying, I now almost know how to cure you and how to make your effective dreams go away. Okay, so just a few more sessions and I'll have, you know, because I've been monitoring your brain as you get the whammy jammy. Okay, Ursula Le Guin, uh, best known for her works on speculative fiction, including science fiction's work set in her universe, Earthsea fantasy series, first published in 1959. Wow. Uh, I think I told you everything about her. I told you this only a $250,000 budget, released January 9. Um, January 9, 1980. Yes. God, that's so exciting. Is it? Why? Because it's like the 70s were over. And well, boom, it, they're kicking, you know, it's still 70s and stuff. It, yeah, it, they were over in number only, right? I mean, right. there was a Yeah, this is like the brand new month. Listen, if the world was perfect, uh, 1960 to 1969 would have been the hippies. Right. Right? 70 to 75 would have been like... Uh, um, oh, splitting the decade up. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like the hippies were around from like 66 to they 75. Were don't, don't forget beatniks, man. Beatniks became hippies. Yeah, that's right. The gap. The right. You're exactly it was the early 60s scene. The numbers just fall when they fall, you right. know. It would have it, in 1980. It should have been Jimmy Carter in the White House with Battle of the Network Stars, and it just doesn't. Oh, that's his birthday, by the way. George Orr, the real actor. Oh, um, is that interesting? The internet thought it was interesting. I think that's interesting. He's in great physical shape. Obviously, this is not the first time his shirt's off. <laughs> And we saw yeah. him bone. We saw him mushroom cap. We saw everything about Bruce. We saw his mushroom cap. Okay, so he's dreaming again. And like this time, I forget what he suggested. What did he suggest? Oh, it is an interruption. Focal. Right. Damn it. Yeah. He's trying to fight me. He's trying to fight me. Patient resisting. In case I don't realize it's saying on the screen. That chicken brain of yours. That's what he says. Take him down all the way. So I remember why I don't know. He didn't suggest yet. What he's about to suggest after George is under control, because he's resisting, is a world with no racial troubles. Everyone's homogenized into like the same race. Okay, turn it up because here's our the title of our film. But you leave me no choice. You leave me no choice. You leave me no choice. Those who heaven helps, we call the sons of heaven. They do not reason by using reason. Those who cannot attain it will be destroyed on the lathe of heaven. The lathe of heaven. That's the our. I get you. Pretty heavy stuff. I guess probably in the book it was. Here it seems a little. Well, if you read, if if we actually read Ursula Le Guin's stuff and came in on the show, we'd be like, this book 
I'll tell you that this book went this direction, this book went right. that direction. And it was a fan service when they quoted this line directly, even though it didn't work as a movie. It was cool to see it for the book. Now, I care about research for this show, but I'm not reading The Lathe of Heaven by Ursula Le Guin in the Earthsea series to get ready. Oh, yeah, you have to read the entire series to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is the night that this was first broadcast on pbs there's this major power outage in the pacific northwest you know oh, she could oh, not no. watch her own film take that mount hood was did not want to get <laughs> snuffed oh look at this uh, star trek right now this is all twilight zone too this this idea of wish fulfillment and it's all got awful consequences now, look, I don't think it's very good. They're all gray, but clearly we have African-American and Asian people, right? But so they're gray. Everyone's really, gray. But it didn't make race go away. They're oh, just I all gray. That. So now it would be where you come from, not your color. It would be – I think the film falls short there. They should have made some, like, ethnically ambiguous people gray, I think. Do you so what's but in this film right now in this story is is there like a caveat to this or like everything's good now? No, everything's good in terms of the racist. He's cured and and as he's walking him out, he's gonna say, I have a surprise for you. I know how to effectively dream. I'll be the dreamer going forward and look at all our progress. We've eliminated overpopulation and we have eliminated the race problem. Now, they spray-painted, I'm not kidding, that spray-paint 600 extras for this segment. All right, I'm looking forward to spray-painting 600. I don't think I've seen a film ever do that. You know, this guy, the doctor is bad news, man, right? I mean, he's a, yes. sounds like a fa eubonics fascist, you know, just... Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. 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 Ebonics. Uh, eubonics? Eugenics. No, eugenics. Eugenics. Or... Eugenics. Yeah. Well, okay, look, I, he's our bad guy, but I don't agree with you that he's a eugenics person. He was trying to get rid of the – he thinks he's trying to get rid of the world's problems of overpopulation and racism. So he wasn't a eugenic. Well, no, but he, I think he's a fascist. I think, like, even for the good intentions, it's caused a single-minded, like, his, he's going to do it. You know, and, right. and then we see what happens. And, and then, uh, it's always a miscalculation, a yeah. misfire. So you think he's a fascist? Which I think, think I think he's like really the bad guy. Yeah, like this okay. is like his good intentions. He did he does it for what he feels are good intentions, but he's such a like the fact that he's the one who's going to do it, and he's using like it's megalomaniac. Guy. Yeah. Welcome to Doctor's Haver's Palace of Dreams. Congratulations, George, you're the man of the hour. Let's listen to the whole thing. Don't uh, don't say started. the whole thing. I know I've been working very hard. I think you'll agree it's been well worth the effort. Yeah, megalomaniac. Oh, I don't think I can take another big day. George, today I've cured you. Ta-da! You'll no longer have effective dreams. Look how George doesn't believe it. Yeah. Quite simple. You have had your last effective dream. Bullshit. Bullshit. You dreamt you lost the ability to Doctor looks like Matt Berry. What? Who's Matt Berry? 
The from what the vampire movie, the British guy. Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why I laughed. Looks like Doctor Zayas to me. Yeah. In that outfit. Now check out what he says next. You're gonna begin to dream. Is that what you've been up to all this time? Right, George. Burden is now off your shoulders, and onto yours. Now here's why you're right, Mike. You're Watch right. how he reacts to this. Now you listen to me, George Orr. You come into my office with the greatest power that mankind has ever known, and all you want to do is to be cured. The dreams don't work. They go wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong with the dreams, with the dreams. The problem lies it's with the, the dreamer. The dreamer. Unlike me, who's going to know what he's doing. Well, now, George, you must be tired. Uh, go to your Another room. One of those. Go home. Go home. You're exhausted. Here. I'll use this vertical escalator to get us down. Great invention, this vertical escalator. But it's de-escalating us right now, Doctor. I don't understand. You know what the worst part of going in those glass elevators is? Is when uh, Captain America is there with Hydra soldiers. You're like, yeah. it's really awkward at that moment. Hell Hydra. It's an awkward ride, yeah. Yeah. I liked it in that when he's like, does anyone want to get out? Now, that was a different <laughs> one, though. That was... Uh... In the elevator. Yeah, who was, who was it? It was um, Mr. Handsome. He was the senator. All right, never mind. Okay. Robert Redford. Oh, Mr. That's right. Frank Grillo. Okay. I don't believe this number adds up to 600 extras. Do you? What's painted in behind them? They're spray painted. They're all their body. That They're is bizarre. That's their response? Yeah, what to get good. racism was to make everyone the, the same race. The greatest numb. Progress, George! Progress! Let's listen, let's listen! ...made in the past thousand years. Well, do you think with all of this progress, I'll need to find Heather? Who? Who? Heather Levox. My, my attorney. Oh, yes. Okay, you can stop listening now because, um... Uh, we missed it. I wanted to sh prove you right. How he is, like, his intentions are good, but his he's conceited and... He thinks he's the only one who can do it, so it's megalomania-ish. Megalomania. And it's at the expense of human, you know, of, yes. of humanity. Every yeah, decision he's made. Yeah. You know, his overpopulation was to kill half the people. Yeah, but I... in fairness to him, and he's our bad guy, I don't really want to be fair to him, but in fairness to him, he did not tell George to dream. He just told him to get rid of overpopulation. Right. And so you say... What else yeah. could he do but kill people? But I'm telling you, there could be some other scenarios. I went through a few of them. Why are those people standing around like soldiers? They're spray painted, right? Yes. That is weird. Why use 600 people? Why not use extras over and over? They're in different scenes. They are the best uh, background actors I've seen in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, actually, speaking of Marvel movies, they could spend a, save a pretty penny with the spray paint. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe shoot outside Georgia while they're at it. 
Uh, I'm walking down the street. Does he have a car at least in this world? Uh, we won't see him in a car, but he is going to get to his um, oh. ocean home again. Seaside. Okay, so now he is in a shop that's run by an alien. Look, it's they make a joke of junk. It's like a secondhand store, but a curiosity shop, and it's run by an alien. I do apologize for talking over you, Carl, because when he was talking about what what exactly did he do to the aliens? It sounds like he kind of pushed them out, right? No, he made them peaceful. They still invaded, but he turned it so that they were nice. Gotcha. And they were misunderstood. And then Dr. Haber called Washington to say, they're peaceful. Stop killing them, I guess. Okay, George Orwell. You wish an object. Please continue this activity. Now he's going to suggest an object that will help George. How does he know? Let's How listen. Do you see Yes, I've lost her. Personal soul can be found. This is a 45 of. Guess which song? Is it acceptable? Oh, yesterday from the movie Yesterday. <laughs> Correct. Thank you very much. Clarity. Pleasurable. Clarity is pleasurable. With a little help from my friends. My alien buddy. I'm sure that in the book, it's well explained why the aliens, they say something, but it's they don't hit the mark, you know? They convey a message that I see what you're trying to say, alien, you know? Clarity right. is pleasurable. What? Okay, so when things are understood, we feel good? Like, okay, I guess. It is a nice ecstasy he's using the Beatles. I'm sure like hippies like to always stick with hippie stuff. Let's but... listen. Maybe we'll get a copyright violation. Turn it on. It's the cover version. You're egging this on. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's John, that's John with no H. John Lennon with no H. Singing. That's John McCartney. Yeah, singing. John McCartney. <laughs> George Sarah on guitar drum. Now he's dreaming, dreaming. Doesn't Ricky Preston come on and, and join them on piano? Uh, no, uh, yeah, was, is that his name? Uh, Billy, it's Billy Preston. Billy Preston, right, right, right. The fifth Beatle, not. Murray the K was a fifth Beatle, too. Yeah, everybody wants to say they're the fifth Beatle, including Pete Best. Pete Best, right. Well, you know, Pete Best had a solo album called Best of the Beatles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God bless him. It isn't Pete better. Okay, so now he's dreaming Heather back into his life. And I guess he undoes the gray because she's African-American and he's white again. And they're married. You know what? I just realized the doctor said go home. Yeah. And he goes home, and after a long day, he dreams, and he dreams that he's... And it's effective. Yeah. Should have locked him up. Super effective. It reminds me of Pokemon. Really? Mm -hmm. How so? Uh, in Pokemon, you, like, you do a move, and they do a move, and your move is super effective, so it beats the other guy. That's the... Gotcha. It's a turn-based battle. 
I only know that from kids, you know, from having sure. kids and they're playing Pokemon and I see it on TV. You ever secretly root for Team Rocket? Oh, like yeah, I love Team win? Rocket. Sure, hashtag Team Rocket. I mean, they have the you, best sound. They sound like Snagglepuss. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, Meowth could be from Jersey, right? You hear? I would have a beer with Meowth. You hear his Meowth accent? Meowth from Jersey, yeah. Bergen County. Yes, he is hot. I'm Team Rocket, man. They have like New Jersey feeling to it. Yeah, they got they got vibe. Okay, now they're happy and married and all is right with the world. So what could go wrong? Well, Haber could start trying to effectively dream. Now, this is weird and it hasn't been introduced in the film before. Haber's gonna dream. He's not dreaming yet, but like the wind starts blowing and they're their curtains around and they feel uneasy. They're just getting their spider sense tingling. Right. That Haber's up to no good. That's so a they good analogy. Yeah. Because I feel like he's Spider-Man. <laughs> and then Dr. Octopus took Spider-Man, which is actually true in this comics. I'll stop though for you. But uh general maybe Spider-Man's not a good example. But basically oh, he... by the way, Mike, I just okay, go ahead. But I know I, I, they're doing it now. I gotta say it now. Turn up the sound. These two actors are truly sexually aroused right now. Yes, they're acting. They're acting, but they're loving it. Check it out. You can hear the tender kissing. Let's listen. Now you were in the middle of a thought. Go ahead. The spider sense is tingling. It's kind of hard. Well, he's trying to replicate a Spider-Man. But we can't have two Spider-Mans in the universe. It's going to fuck shit up. Oh, it's not no, a good analogy at all. No, you'd have to like get Doctor Strange to undo a tangle. Well, he's a dreamer. Like the doctor who is overseeing the dreamer is trying to be a dreamer himself, and the yes. dreamer's world is rocked. It's actually boner killing the moment. It's now they're the... they're oh, running yeah. to stop Haverman. She's like, George, I'm scared. I haven't felt this anything like this before. And he's like, I did four years ago in April when we had a nuclear explosion. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like, nobody remembers. Oh, you think Haberman's going to cause a nuclear explosion? If he doesn't I don't think so, no. I, I mean, yes, I guess, but I don't understand the plot at this point. They just got a feeling. Haberman's not even dreaming yet. That's the thing. Like he's a genuine dreamer, the other guy. So he's that's the reason why his world is getting this wind blown. It's just like because it's like his radar's up for it. Yeah, his radar's up. His his radar is up. <laughs> Here he is in the nuclear explosion. He's trying to explain to Heather right now what happened four years ago. That's when everything started. He's claiming. What was the day after? That was like in eighty one, right? So this is that was a movie about yeah post nuclear war. We'll be holding at the station for the next 10 minutes. God damn it. Dr Carly. Dream, dream an express train, George. <laughs> I guess this is all Dallas or Fort Worth. It might be the airport. The oh, airport yeah, train. this could be the airport. Now, I've been to Dallas Airport. I forget what it's called. DFW, something like that. Uh, many, many times. But, of course, this is in seventy. Nine. Right, it must be different. They didn't really have much rocks and fires back then. Look I mean, at the phone booth. Ironic. Ring, ring. He'll check it for quarters because 
<laughs> society's broken down. He's going to go in there and someone's going to knock on the booth. Hey, buddy, can you hurry up? I got to call my wife, tell her I survived. This so just like he says now, since that day, I've been trying to tell myself that that day was just a dream. But no, this is the dream. So is... Are we in George's dream this whole time? Or is it the doctor's dream the whole time with George? Well, the doctor's starting to dream now for the first time. You see, he went under right. that. Right, that's what he's saying. This so now he's like, dream. yeah, because he's like, Haberman! It doesn't pay off, though. Like, he's driving into the dream or something, and then they'll... They won't really confront each other, though. It doesn't make sense what he's dreaming or what happens, but somehow he knows about the April nuclear disaster. Well, at one point he went, for, he woke up, he was in reality, and now he's kind of entering the dream. Well, or maybe he never woke up. He he's, uh... now look. We have lava stuff now. It doesn't right. make sense to me because it's supposed to be about nuclear war. And now we're going to see volcanoes and such. It makes total Other... sense. The floor is lava. Okay. That's does that make sense? Floor is lava. Um. Uh. Clearly, you think it makes sense to you. Uh. What is the floor is lava? That's the game where you can't touch the floor. The floor is lava, so you have to jump from the couch to a chair. Oh, I see. As a child, like, yeah, I remember that. Okay, so. I guess he's in the dream right now, and they're sharing a dream space or something. Right, yeah. I, I don't understand how this film ends, and... This, now, this looks like an airport. <laughs> now, why? He's getting up from his platform, but he's, like, still in the dream. Now, you know... Yeah, they gotta fix the escalator. PBS can't afford the escalator on. <laughs> now this is a laser that was popular that came out in the 70s this laser light and we're going to see them in the tube of laser light for a while and it's all because they didn't have much budget well it still works you know get the mm -hmm. moody music they did what they needed to do they did right. okay with the budget they had so the only person who does the dreams is george the doctor that he goes to figures out how to harness it himself. So I yes. think what's happening is that because the two are connected in a way that their dream and reality are connecting because this is going to cause a nuclear annihilation. I think you're right. This well, is it's where and cause it. I don't know if it's going to cause but it. You're because... right. Like he's been dreaming this is going to happen and it might be revealed that this whole thing has been this dream and now he's approaching the moment. Well, it won't get revealed because George will be back in reality with Heather. Is, is he going to stop the... Wow. Wow. floor is lava, Doctor. Welcome to Fantasia. This is more like $2.01 than 2001. <laughs> wow. It's unexplained what's going on here. This stock footage from Kodak video cassette. No, no, this is the, this is stock footage. The lightning. It's, yeah, this is like one of those weird hallways in some office building in Manhattan. You know, like they had like public 
light. Now, yeah. what's happening is, I guess, is Haber can't take it and he's going to freak out and then he's going to end up like institutionalized. I, I don't understand it. We're going to see this hand holding a a glow a glowing globe or something. Now, look, they're together. Are they confronting? Yeah. They're about I to choke so. each other. I think they both reached a, a dream world. Uh as you said, like a neutral, uh, a mutual escape that they can yeah. uh, choke They're each other. They're in the dream together. Hi, yeah, hi. Oops. Now you see, there's this reflection of under, like he's cupping a. It looks like a globe, but it's really the laser light. I don't understand it. It must just be a sharper image for twenty minutes. Got the footage and ran. So. That's Somehow, it. that was a cathartic moment that's supposed to be explaining our film. It's an alien talking to him. I did a lot today. So, he ends up, he isn't just a customer, he's like working in the store, I think. Oh, wow. I can't so say this whole time because the reality always warps. The alien is his boss. George, I wanted this by Tuesday. <laughs> Do you He's have the nice Haberman boss. report? Oh, I'm still working on it, boss. Now, Heather is browsing in a shop. She is a customer. And he's like, Heather? And she's like, you know me? He doesn't know him. We met a long time ago. You're a lawyer, right? This reality is. So. I got to say, this is a dud, the way the movie ends. It doesn't really resolve itself or explain itself. You know, I think the ending was supposed to be like Haber going against George. Maybe right. in that dreamscape, like you said. I was wondering if I could return the favor. I take it a bunch. Well, thank you, but I me if you have the time. Okay. So she's um, asked Heather out on a date. They're gonna right. start walking to their uh, date. And who are they gonna bump into but Haberman. Correct. Thanks. Hey, boss, can I take a little trick? Yes. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, we missed it. Oh, what did he say? The alien goes, leaving means you must return. Like, you know, you're okay, on the boss. clock, buddy. Take your lunch break, but... You must return. It means yeah. you must return. Hey, can you do me a Haber, man? Give me a Haber. Would you? Well, he was so excited. He was on the verge of an enormous discovery. With his whammy jammy machine. A breakdown. Yeah. Ever since the night that everything fell apart, you know? And he goes, you saw the nuclear explosion. Listen, listen. Yeah. You've seen it, haven't you? The world after April. 
Now Haberman like snaps out of it for a second as if he's going to respond, but doesn't. Look at that hair acting. Now the nurse puts his arms on his shoulder and then he just says, ah, he's defeated again. Yeah. She doesn't want to, don't get him started. Right. Okay. Uh, you know who I am? I want it right now. I have this the power is... of infinite dreams. Every... And, and Disney's the black hole, right? The villain wants to go in the black hole. And he does, and he and it's this hellscape where the villain is like the devil, and and right. they're they're going through purgatory, and they're going through the depths of hell, and they escape. Isn't that like the ending in a way that like it's what the doctor wanted? He wanted the ultimate power to to change everything, and but he couldn't triggers... handle it, and he. But the well, secret look, is, they want to get something to eat because they're starving, so they get hot dogs. From the alien. Two yeah, alien dogs. Alien. You want alien crowd on it? Yeah, a little bit. What about you? Uh, can I have some alien red onions and uh, relish? <laughs> alien yeah, relish? Yeah, alien relish. <laughs> this is the finest Venetian relish, sir. Oh, yeah, no, I love it. Venetian relish works really well on these dogs. All right. Hey, Carl. Yeah. What do you think of this amazing movie? I'm unsettled. It didn't end. It didn't end right. It just said, like, our time is done, and we're going to stop now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm left, like, I was with the whole film until his, the final dream sequence. I don't know what happened. I don't really know what happened in the final dream sequence. I think that's maybe for the benefit of the story that, like, it's the apocalypse. Like, they both pushed, it pushed to the point where George felt it, and George approached him saying, you're going to cause a nuclear war. You have, can't have to face it. This is what's going to happen. The doctor sees it and goes mental, but it causes. I don't know. I like this movie. I really do. I'll, I'll find the book. I guess I haven't read a book all the way through in my life lately, but <laughs> uh, this might be the one. I, I really like this a lot. I I feel like our show, a lot of movies we watch are really, really, really bad. So yeah. this movie is beyond that. Like I think it's above. The quality is really good. Like it's a good movie. But I do agree with you. Like it, it does kind of go on hinge at the end, and we don't really know what's going on. Oh, thank you, Tandy and Radio Shack. Yeah, that's right. Two different things in Texas, right, Tandy? Artware, Method and University. I suggested this because I saw it when I was a kid, and I remember it from that sexual scene, and I remember liking it. I remember the eliminating race thing. Yeah. Did you get an erection watching this again? You could tell me. No. Uh, today we live in a world of internet pornography, and I did not get an oh, erection yeah. watching a smack in the face from a boob grab. No. I got to learn more about Ursula Le Guin. I, I always knew of her. I just never read her stuff. I never really yeah. read, you know, yeah. if it's a comic book, sure. Carl, thank you so much, man. Thank great you. research. Great movie pick. Great everything. I am now Thanks, going into a Ursula Le Guin rabbit hole and learn more. The more you know, I'm going to my local library. So we'll see you guys next Sunday. Till then, bye.
wear black because black is beautiful. Yeah. Black is nasty. Black is evil. Black is a whole lot of all sorts of things, and I'm in it.
Sean Sherwood. The loose hit is going to be the valley of all the kids in the back for Boulevard Drivers. Gone. And we will have the fair point of one tune on the team tune top ten. The Coaster. Yeah, yeah. 